This podcast was recorded from our twice-weekly live stream. To watch this video or see other episodes of The Spiritual Journalist, head to thespiritualjournalist.com or find me on YouTube. You can find a link in the show notes. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Spiritual Journalist. I'm so grateful you found us here and I'm so looking forward to what we're going to learn today. We're talking with Sarah Flowers. Yes, that's her real name. And we're talking all about flowers and plants, plant medicine, soil health, and the climate in general. Sarah is going to share her own healing journey, how she discovered the healing power of plants, and how she learned to communicate with all of the flowers and plants around us and the earth as a whole. So I'm so excited for you to learn from her. She's a wealth of knowledge, and I can't wait to see what I learned. So let's get started. I've always been a deeply curious person, talking with anyone who would listen and soaking in as much information as possible. So it's no surprise my love for storytelling led me to a career in journalism. But after nearly a decade working in newsrooms across the West Coast, I realized I wanted to start asking questions you probably wouldn't see on your local news. So I left my job as a morning TV reporter and started The Spiritual Journalist. This isn't just a YouTube channel, podcast, website, or social media page. This is a live conversation where you get to ask questions too, because I'm not the expert. I'm not here to tell you what to believe. My goal is to connect you with people who have profound experiences and inspirational stories to share. And we'll definitely mix a little astrology in too. So if you're like me, you have this insatiable curiosity and you love deep conversations too, well, this is the place for you. Together each week, we'll explore everything from crystals and tarot to mental health and the environment. There are no wrong questions here. My ultimate goal is for you to come away from each episode with a new perspective and an expanded consciousness. This is a channel for the collective. This is a community for the curious. This is The Spiritual Journalist. Hello, thank you so much for being with me today. Hello. <laughs> I am so excited for our conversation because um, you and I have only ever really met in person once, but since the circle we both sat in a few months ago, um, in which you shared some of your knowledge about plant medicine and the power of plants, I have thought about you and your offerings and just everything that you embody quite often. So I'm really, really excited to learn from you today. Oh, yeah. I'm super excited to be here. I love everything that you're doing with this new show. And yeah, excited. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. So if you are watching, if you're tuning in and you have questions for Sarah throughout the show, feel free to throw them in the chat because I know I'm going to have a million questions for you. But at the beginning of all of our shows of The Spiritual Journalist, I like to give our viewers a little peek at your astrology chart to get to know you a little bit better. <laughs> so you've actually gotten a reading before, right? 
Um, so I haven't gotten a reading from somebody, but I did learn at one point how to read charts. And so I've only read my own, but I'm super excited to have you interpret it because I feel like it's so different when you're interpreting your own chart. So yeah, <laughs> definitely. And it's so great that you know how to read your own chart because Honestly, every time I look at my birth chart, I feel like I pull away something different or sometimes I'll just have a thought like, oh, that makes sense how this energy is playing out in my life right now or whatever. So this is just the basics, um, but it's great that you know how to interpret your own chart. All right. <clears throat> so you are an Aries. You know this. Yes. Um, it's really interesting though because when I look at your chart, I just see so many like contradictions in a way because you have a Capricorn rising um, and so you come across as a little bit more reserved and serious. You might not be the first person to speak up or put yourself out there, but you have an Aries sun and a Leo moon, which is like a lot of fire energy. You have this very like earthly first impression you give off, very calm. But I have a feeling once people get to know you a little bit better, you bring the party. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel like I get that often or like even with my temper a little bit, people are like, wow, I would have never thought that you were like that or like that side of you. I've never seen that before. Wow. <laughs> so it's funny. Right? Okay. <laughs> I, I was like thinking I love to guess, you know, what people's signs are. And then first of all, I saw that you were an Aries and I'm like, really? That's so surprising. <laughs> but that just goes to show, you know, the power of the rising sign and how important it is to know your birth time, to know where the sun was on the horizon because your first impression is definitely not Aries like I would not expect you to be like impulsive or loud or over the top or anything like that which your sun and moon kind of indicate but it's also interesting because you have a stellium in Capricorn and Capricorn being your rising sign rules your first house your north node is also in Capricorn so your purpose and the lessons you're here to learn have a lot to do with the earth and your work and more serious energy uh, and Capricorn being in your ruling your first house too is like this sense of self that you have that is probably pretty grounded and stable, um, even though you have a lot of fire energy that comes through a lot. And you also, your third house is pretty full down here. Your sun is in your third house in Aries, which tells me that you love learning and you love teaching. Something you mentioned to me that you're really feeling called to teach. The third house rules teaching and learning. Uh, and your Mercury is in your third house too, which is a strong placement. But your Mercury is in Pisces, actually, right on the cusp of your third house. And so the way you think and the way you communicate is probably a little bit more sensitive and dreamy. And even how you speak is like more gentle, I feel. Or that's what I get from you just from <laughs> the few conversations we've had. Um, and your Venus is also in Aries. So I would say that you're probably very passionate about teaching and learning, but also just having a Venus in Aries just brings like the fire and the passion to whatever you love, whatever you're doing, whatever you're desiring in your life. Um, so 
This is so interesting for me because I <laughs> you're just sitting here so calm in that Capricorn energy, but I'm like, I want to be a fly on the wall behind closed doors. <laughs> what she's really like. Um, your, your Leo moon is in your eighth house, which rules energy exchange. And so I would imagine like having deep conversations with people or, um, you know, having experiences where you really feel connected to other people would be really nurturing for you. Um, and then your Jupiter is also in your eighth house in Virgo. Virgo is another earth sign. Jupiter is the planet of abundance. And I see this as you, your abundance coming from you being able to share about how to serve the earth. Virgo is the sign of service. So I could see this, you know, you serving others, bringing you abundance, and also being aware of that energy exchange either between you and the earth, which is what you're all about, or between you and other people wanting to serve other people will definitely bring you good fortune. Um, as long as you maintain like a healthy energy exchange and you're not giving too much, you know, more than you're receiving. The other thing I'll point out is that your Chiron is in your seventh house, also in Leo. Chiron reveals our greatest wounds. So I would say that relationships might have been pretty traumatic for you at some point in your life. Um, but once you're able to heal yourself from those relationships, ultimately you'll be able to help other people along their healing journeys. And your midheaven, the MC up here, which represents your, um, your greatest potential when it comes to your work and your career, your midheaven's in Libra. And so that just tells me that having balance within your career will be really beneficial to you. Also showing other people the beauty of the world and bringing beauty into people's lives um, beautiful relationships, forming partnerships that are really balanced will help you in your career. But your midheaven opposes your sun down here. So it might feel like, you, like these two energies, like your career is out here and all the things you want to do and all of your potential, but sometimes your sun and Aries it has like a different motivation and just wants to like have fun and do things in the moment and go <laughs> and not necessarily think things through. <laughs> yeah, spot on for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then one last thing I'll point out is that your Mars is in Pisces in your second house. Mars in the second house is a really great placement because it just means you have a lot of drive when it comes to calling in income or values, possessions. Um, you have a lot of drive when it comes to your work. And that being in Pisces too, you know, Mars and Pisces are kind of like opposite energies, but it can probably, because your sun is in Aries ruled by Mars, we like to look at the ruling planet and where that's at. So your ruling planet would be Mars. And that being in Pisces actually makes a lot of sense with you because you do have this overall energy of just like sensitivity and wisdom. Like when I look at your chart, I see this contradiction between so much wisdom and like almost this wise old woman and then like this baby Aries Leo energy, you know? And even like you kind of have like a little bit of a baby face, like how you present is a little bit younger and sweet but deep down you have this like insane wisdom and 
fire. Yeah, there's a lot of fire <laughs> beneath the surface. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Any other questions you have or anything else you want to add since you, I'm sure, have looked at your chart a ton? Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much spot on. And it's really interesting to have you read it. Now, when I first um, learned to read my chart, I kind of had no idea what I was doing with my life at the time. And so it kind of gave me little clues. And now that I'm like on the path that I feel like I should be on, it like all kind of, that all made sense and felt really good to hear. So thank you. And oh, good. I definitely, I definitely always do feel that like, internal fieriness but then also grounded and then the Pisces energy that was like huge for me to learn about myself with it being in Mercury and Mars because I tend to kind of like stay up in the ethereal world with thoughts and stuff and so learning that I need to like actively ground that down was like huge for me so yeah that makes sense with the Pisces energy too, like how you communicate, you can kind of be in that little fantasy world a little bit, your actions can be driven by fantasy a little bit, but you have a really nice balance of energies in your chart too. One more thing I noticed is that your Jupiter here is forming a trine to your north node, so that's a harmonious angle, and that means that your abundance, your optimism, your good fortune will flow with your overall purpose in life. That's like a really great aspect there. And, and your overall purpose is like right there at the top of your first house. Like, hello, I am my purpose. I'm here to show up as my purpose and to embody the lessons I've learned in this lifetime, which I feel like is, as we will learn, very indicative of your story. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, let's dive into your story then, um, because I have only gotten to learn just a little bit of your background, but I was really surprised when you told me that you haven't always been a vision of health or super aware of um, holistic approaches to health. Yeah. So when I was younger, I suffered from many things. I had um, asthma. I had just like chronic pain. I had like a lot of sinus infections and bronchitis. I felt like I was sick like all of the time. And I just had so much pain. And I was bounced around from like doctor to doctor my entire life. And yeah, it was... It was really frustrating. It was super frustrating because nobody really had an answer for me. And I was just given all of these medications. I was given like a crazy amount of like a non-steroid anti-inflammatory. Um, I had to take that every day. I was given an antidepressant as well, which like that didn't sit well with me. I didn't end up taking that for more than I think like three weeks. I told my mom, I was like, I can't, can't do this one. This one makes me feel funky. And, they and how old were you? I was, um... 14? Yeah. <laughs> 14. Yeah. They gave me muscle relaxers too. And that was kind of like when the like line was drawn for me because I was taking all these muscle relaxers and I wouldn't remember school. Like I was just in this foggy haze and I would go back to school like three days later, say we would like review a lesson and I would just be like, wait, we learned this? Like what the heck? And yeah, I just knew, I was like, this isn't right. Like, there's something, 
not right with these drugs. And thankfully, my mom was super supportive in helping me kind of find alternative therapy. And yeah, that's kind of how it all all started was just leaning into like plants as medicine. I met this amazing woman named Tina. Her daughter actually went to school with my little sister. And yeah, she just, she was a massage therapist, super into nutrition, yoga, and she kind of helped me down the path. So when did that switch flip for you where you were like, okay, I want to look into natural remedies or just try something outside of conventional Western medicine. I think it was just when nothing was working. Yeah, nothing was working. And I mean, I did get a lot of relief from massage and stuff. And I think there's always been a part of me that's been very drawn to the earth and drawn to more spiritual practices and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I think it was just, I was, I was fed up. I just wanted to feel good. So was this like your whole life you can remember just being in pain or what did that look like day in, day out as a kid for you um, living with that? Yeah, so it was, it was frustrating. It was frustrating. I missed a lot of school because I was constantly sick. The pain was never fun. I played soccer for a really long time and I ended up like getting to a point where I couldn't play soccer anymore. Um, so that kind of was a bummer as well. Um, I think I forgot to mention too, I ended up with psoriasis from head to toe as well. Oh my gosh. And so that's when it really was like, I, I can't live the way I'm living. I have to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And did you ever either through Western medicine, herbalism, whatever, did you ever figure out the root of where all of your pain was coming from? Yeah. So I... I'm largely pain-free now, which is awesome. Um, I don't consider myself to have fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia is kind of a blanket statement for inflammation. And so it kind of, I went down this path of like, well, what can I take instead of like medicine for my constantly having sinus infections and bronchitis? Because they were giving me antibiotics. And that's when Tina was like, don't take antibiotics. Those will destroy your gut and further make this worse. And so I was doing like apple cider vinegar for that. Um, and yeah, I started just kind of looking more into nutrition. And I found that dairy is actually a huge problem for me. Um, and then the other thing I found was wheat is. And so a lot of it was my diet. And so, yeah, that was kind of kind of the root of it was food intolerances. And it's funny, in herbalism school, it, it kind of like, it felt redundant at some point, like we're going through all the different diseases and the causes of it. And I went to a school of um, vitalism, which really focuses on getting to the root of things, not just here's an herb for this problem that you have. And so it was kind of like every disease, it was like, well, it's digestion. Digestion's the problem. And so, yeah, that's the, that's the root of it. <laughs> What's so interesting is, you know, with herbalism, plant medicine, it all revolves around our gut, right? Regardless of what herb it is, what plant it is, it's all about introducing it to our gut. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, our gut, our gut is huge. I mean, even so stuff goes into your bloodstream, your liver, but your whole digestive system as a whole makes up who we who we are.
Yeah. Yeah. I, I've just leaned into understanding my own health and my own nutrition better this year. And I wouldn't classify myself as like the healthiest person by any means, but just having that awareness of what different foods do to me and how I react to them has wildly changed my life. So how did your life change once you started taking out dairy, not eating wheat, introducing apple cider vinegar? What changes did you start to see? Yeah, so the biggest change was my psoriasis. So like I said, I was covered head to toe. I had like plaque psoriasis, like scaly. It was gross. It was not fun at all. And that went away with the gluten. And so that was huge. I remember like trying to convince myself that it was all in my head and I would try to eat gluten again and my psoriasis would come back. Um, it's been five years since I've had it, so that's really, really exciting. But yeah, my um, psoriasis is definitely triggered by the gluten. For dairy, um, it's my asthma, and so mucus production. Dairy is a very moistening food, and so for me, that just that didn't work. Um, the fibromyalgia, the pain all over, too, that started to disappear. Like if I am really good, I recently found out I can't have soy, too which is a huge thing for the pain. Um, and so, yeah, I stay largely pain-free when I don't eat any of those things. So what does your diet look like now to be able to manage your pain, and are you on any medications? I do um, occasionally take my inhaler. I actually just had a pretty nasty cold that I got over and have been having to use that, unfortunately. Um, but so my diet normally consists of a lot of vegetables, a lot of greens. I was actually vegan and vegetarian for quite a long time. Um, I'm not anymore though, just because of the soy and the wheat being intolerant of it. And beans cause me a little inflammation too. So I do eat like grass-fed meats. Um, when meat is grass-fed and pasture-raised, it actually is high in omega-3s. When it's not, it's high in omega-6s, which are super inflammatory. So I always try to stay with the grass-fed, pasture-raised, and mainly a ton of vegetables. Yeah. And I, I know we'll get into the benefits, not just for us, but for the earth in general of pasture-raised animals in just a little bit. But you keep using the word inflammation. So I want to unpack that a little bit. And I know that you're a wealth of knowledge about this, even, like I said, in adjusting the foods I'm eating. So much of that conversation is about reducing inflammation. So talk to us about what happens in the body when you do eat dairy or, or any of us eat any inflammatory foods. I know everybody's body reacts differently, but there are certain foods that kind of cause inflammation across the board. Yeah, so inflammation can look like pain. It can look like redness. It can show up as eczema. It can show up as the psoriasis. Um, it can. It shows up as everything. Basically, every disease, every illness is root is inflammation. Yeah, I notice even eating cleaner, my skin is not as inflamed. Like I don't break out. If I do have, you know, a pimple pop up or whatever, it's not as like red and inflamed. And, you know, for me, that was like, okay, I can physically see a difference. So when did you start eating cleaner, having these realizations? How old were you at that point? Um, that was probably, I've always tried 
tried to eat pretty clean. Um, but when I really started getting strict about it, I was probably around like 1920. Just recently, within the past two years, I've discovered all of my food intolerances. I actually did like the whole 40 day elimination challenge and just like really dove deep into it. And so basically the past like two years have been being really strict on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I did as well. Whole 30, which is an elimination program. And I would recommend anybody who is experiencing chronic pain or chronic illness, an elimination diet. I didn't even do it because of physical pain, just more for like my mental health and clarity. But now I'm like, I don't want to have dairy. I, I know alternatives that work for me. And like, why would I, you know, unless it's like an indulgence every once and again, since I don't have a huge dairy intolerance or anything, but I'm like, my skin, my skin has never looked better. <laughs> so I'm not, <laughs> not going back to dairy. Um, <laughs> so another, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say another thing with inflammation too, like obviously skin is amazing and a huge perk for I think everybody to want to do it but allergies too is another thing so when your body is already inflamed allergens come in and cause more inflammation but when you have a lower overall inflammation allergies don't affect you the same I used to have to take like the Zyrtec and the Claritin and all that kind of stuff regularly and it doesn't it doesn't affect me the same um I had a major allergy to pets as well I have this one friend, Ashlyn, her dog used to make me like just being in her house, like I would get itchy and like red eyes and wheezy. And when I was really strict on the diet, I went over there and I was like, I'm going to test this out. I'm going to brush your dog and I'm going to see how I end up feeling. I was able to like brush him, pull out all of his shedding hair and I didn't have a single sniffle. My eyes weren't red. My throat wasn't scratchy. Yeah. That was like a big aha moment too, which just lowering that overall inflammation makes you more tolerant to everything in life. So incredible. So you're having all of these realizations. You're almost 20 years old. You're swapping out foods, but you weren't necessarily making this a career at that point, right? No, I wasn't. I was a hairstylist. And what's funny is I always had people come into my chair with health problems, if you're like, oh, my hair is so thin, or I have this dandruff, and I was also an esthetician too, and I was like, always kind of trying to like talk to people about it, but they weren't there to learn about nutrition. They were there to get their hair done most of the time, so it was kind of like a wall of frustration. Like you were saying with my chart, like giving more than I should be, and so yeah, I was a hairstylist for seven years. <laughs> and when. When did you decide, okay, I don't want to do hair anymore. I keep wanting to talk to people about herbs and natural remedies for all of their problems because <laughs> at least for the men watching, if you're a woman and you go to the hairstylist, it is just like, hello, here are all my problems. Let's. It's like a therapy session, right? So yeah. you're trying to give people your herbal advice. When did you realize, okay, I just want to do that full time and I'm done with hair? Yeah, so I actually, once I stopped doing hair, it was because I had kind of hit a wall in general. Like, so another thing with the pain too, there's a lot of like spiritual issues going on and just like working with shamans and drum circles and yoga and that kind of self, like stuff also kind of 
helped relieve all of that. And I feel like I was kind of having like, that's when my spiritual awakening kind of happened as well. Um, I went to the big island of Hawaii and we met this guy and he was so incredible. And he's like, just start rewiring now. Like you don't need to retire, rewire. And he was just talking to us, I don't know, about the most incredible things. And we went home and I sold my house. Um, I moved into a van and I started a photo booth business with my ex-husband. And we, yeah, we just started traveling and we were running our business and we were just kind of like seeing the earth and getting to know the earth and, you know, the United States in general and ourselves, definitely ourselves a lot. And yeah, we ended up getting a divorce, me and my ex-husband did. And I was just kind of lost. I was like, where am I, like, where am I going to go from here? What am I going to do? Like the business we had was super profitable. It let me enjoy my time. I knew I didn't want to go back to doing hair necessarily because it was so draining. And I started this course called Remembering Lemuria, um, which is a whole nother topic and concept of like the Pleiades and the Lemurians. And anyways, I really resonate with that energy. And I started this course and that's where I learned to read my chart and we were doing meditations and it was the first time I actually learned to communicate with plant spirits. And I had been getting this message during meditations that I was to be a plant ambassador. And I had no idea what that meant at the time. I was like, okay, I'm going to maybe like make beauty products since I didn't really align with like the hairstylist um, chemicals that we were using. And I remember I'd gotten some books about like natural beauty products and I was like, I don't know, this might not be it. And I'd written in my journal, I was like, I want to learn to talk to plants. Like that was a huge thing because I loved that little piece that we had in that course. And yeah, I just kind of was then sent off on this path of like a plant ambassador and what does that actually mean? So what does that actually mean? Like how do you talk to plants and what does that look like since you first wrote that down in your journal? Yeah, so since I first wrote that down in my journal, um, it was actually, I started a, well, no, let me back up a little bit. So my mom, I had reached out to her and I was like, hey mom, do you know if your friend knows anybody who has an herbalism school or recommends an herbalism school? And she was like, yeah, I'll, I'll double check with Tiffany and I'll see. And she got back to me and she's like, there's this um, person named Heather. She owns the Acorn School of Herbalism. And my mom had told me that she was like, it's kind of weird. I had just had dreams that you were going to her school. And my mom totally has like dreams. I, I do too, but I kind of have shoved that part aside, but dreams where she can, like her dreams become reality. She can kind of predict wow. the with dreams a little okay, bit. Yeah. So, But what's her <laughs> sign? What's her um, sign? She is a Capricorn. I haven't read her whole chart though. <laughs> I, I bet she has some Pisces energy in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So yeah, she so, you okay. start going to, or she, you hear about Heather's school. Yeah. So I heard about Heather's school and I started looking into it and there was two options. There was like this medicine garden program and then her like more clinical 
program, like using herbs as medicine. And I was like, not sure at all at that point, if I wanted to use herbs as medicine, I was like, I don't even like, I love using plants as medicine. And I love like that they do heal people, but I don't, I wasn't sure that that's what I wanted to do. And so I did the medicine garden program and that was like the most incredible experience of my life. We went out there, it was her and another teacher named Renee Wade, who's a permaculture teacher. And so we got to go out and sit with the plants, learn how to make medicine from the plants, literally like plant the plants and tend to the soil and learn how to tend to the soil. And it was just, it was so incredible. And yeah, one of the practices is communicating with plants. Actually, it's largely done in the herbalist community. And we would go out there and we would do meditations with the plants. And she would then, like it was a plant I had never met before. So like, for example, um, one of my favorite herbs, the hawthorn tree, I had never met it before. And it was my first plant communication actually. And we're sitting there and we're just tuning into the tree. Like we're in a meditative state already. And we just introduce ourselves to the tree and we ask it, you know, if it has any medicine for us and some other questions as well. And I got a response back that was, I'm going to make you strong, but soft. And I was like, I must be making this up. Like this is, I don't know. I don't think this is real. Like, just, you know, trying to convince myself that that's not what I, I had received. And so then afterwards we go around and everybody shares and multiple people had the same experience. And Heather then tells us about the plant that we're sitting in front of. The hawthorn tree crotagus comes from the Latin root of being strong. And it's actually a heart medicine. So it's a heart opener, a heart softener, but it also strengthens the vascular system and it does provide like almost a protection spiritually it's really good for like grief and heartbreak and yeah that was the moment where i was just like blown open i was like wow i really received this message from this plant and i'm able to understand what these plants medicine is by communicating with them incredible and how confirming that everybody is sitting around this tree in their own meditative state and all having the same experience that is mind-blowing like you said so since that moment what do your communications with other new plants or even plants that you've met before what does that look like now yeah so there's this um area i like to go to william b pond there's a lot of medicinal plants out there and i like to before i harvest a plant i like to sit with it and talk to it ask it what its medicine is because if i'm going to use it I might as well get to know what its medicine is. And each time it's a little bit different. Each time I hear, hear something different. And so, yeah, I like to communicate with them in that way. And like over the summer, I was in this spot so much that like I could hear these plants like almost telling me they wanted to be shown. Like they wanted me to come teach a workshop. And so me and my friend Ashlyn, we started um, doing workshops out there for like the full moon and the new moon. And it was the most incredible experience because these plants would talk to me and then they would correlate with the moon that was coming up. Like based on what sign the moon was going to be in, these herbs were actually for the organs associated with the with the planets and with the um yeah with the signs it was it was crazy <laughs> you know i love that um that is incredible and i think just such proof that 
you know, the energy of the solar system, the energy all around us affects each and every living being on the planet. And I love how you say you introduce yourself to the plants. So you look at plants as their own identities or their own beings, right? Totally. Yeah. They're completely alive, just like we are. I forget the number of senses plants have, but it was pretty large. I want to say like 26 or something like that. Like plants are, they're so incredible. They can communicate with like other bugs. They can send out signals. They send out signals through their roots to get like different food from the bacteria and the fungi. Um, yeah, they communicate in so many different ways. There are so many studies as well on how plants are communicating with us. And it's all in that like field that's not tangible. We can't necessarily see it with these two eyes, but we can feel it with our heart field and we can, you know, see it through our third eye vision. And so, yeah, there's so much, so much more than just what we can know with our brains. Right. And we only use such a small fraction of our brains too. So it's like, you know, I think, I think what was really powerful to me um, in the circle that we both sat in back in August, you brought what's called an oximal, right? Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. <laughs> so what is an oximal, first of all? So an oximal is a plant infusion with honey and vinegar. So you take the herbs and you put them into honey and vinegar and you let them sit for about four weeks kind of thing and shake it up. And the vinegar extracts um, the constituents and the vitamins and the minerals and the honey does as well. It gets different ones and is also antimicrobial and has lots of great benefits as well. Yeah. So you pass around like little cups with this oximal in it. And, you know, I grew up as a very picky eater and I tried to think that I'm open-minded and I was like, I'm going to try this. I don't usually like anything vinegar based. Like I can't stand anything with vinegar, but I was like, I'm going to try this. It's not about the taste. It's about like, you know, heart opening. You talked about it being very heart opening. And, um, it was funny because you're like, yeah, you should start to feel like your heart opening up. You should feel it, you know, really great. It was right before we all, I think, went into some sort of meditation in this circle. And I really did almost instantly once I drank it, I could feel like this warmth kind of coming through my body and almost like a buzz, you know, like not like you're getting drunk buzz, but like I could feel the energy moving through my body. And I was like, wow, this is really powerful. And I just felt like happy. <laughs> yeah. So that was in that oximal was Hawthornberry, the tree that I was just speaking about a minute ago. It's obviously one of my like dear plant allies. And yeah, I and I like to do I like to share Hawthornberry a lot in circles just because it does start to open you up to those energetic realms and it does like it gets your circulation going and it just kind of like grounds you and makes you feel protected. And so I think it's awesome to share in those kind of circles. Yeah. <laughs> and it totally did that for me because I came to that circle very much out of my comfort zone. There were things that we talked about that I had not been introduced to before, but yeah, I just felt like a, we all did this like ritual of drinking the same thing. We're all kind of connected. And this was like a big circle. There were like 30 people there. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. And then I just could totally feel that heart opening energy. So 
you know, we've talked about plants that you find out in nature. You have learned through communicating with them and learning about the different health benefits, you know, over the years. Have you ever tried plant medicine as far as, you know, something that's more psychoactive? Because I've, I personally have not tried some of those plant medicines, but I've heard that they can be like extremely powerful. Yeah. So I like to, I kind of think that all herbs have that transformational power of like, say, I'm guessing you're talking more like ayahuasca and psilocybin and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. But there's herbs like even as gentle as kava, that's kind of psychoactive, valerian root, also kind of psychoactive, mugwort, one of my dearest plants is also psychoactive. So there's I think all of them have that kind of property to be extremely transformative, depending on how you're working with them. Um, I have tried things like psilocybin. I haven't done ayahuasca, but psilocybin has changed my life um, really greatly. I, I definitely, yeah, it's changed my life immensely. I think that, so it's a fungi. And the fungi are like this interconnected woven system in the soil who are bringing nutrients and helping things grow. And they're just, they span, the mycelium span just across this whole planet. And so I feel like psilocybin's lesson is like so much of this connectedness and showing you the connectedness, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And for those of you who don't know what psilocybin is, we're talking about mushrooms specifically, <laughs> you know, magic mushrooms, which there are, you know, hundreds of different varieties, right, that all kind of have their own effects. And also some that you definitely don't want to take because they'll kill you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just watched for the first time. Have you seen Fantastic Fungi on Netflix? You know, I started to watch it and it lulled me to sleep, <laughs> but in a good way, in a good way, yeah. not in a bad way, like it was boring. <laughs> you probably know most of the information they talk about, but for me, it was so eye-opening. And um, I just, I look at mushrooms and mold and um, fungi in general completely differently after that. Um, but I, you mentioned that using psilocybin has been really transformative for you. Can you talk about that a little bit more, what that has looked like for you? And, and I know that you've had those experiences with other plants as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a lot of it has just been this like internal dive of like looking inside, feeling inside. I feel like with mushrooms, like I will do like toning and can literally like vibrate out things like trauma almost and working through it and just that like grounded feeling and looking around at the earth and just being like whoa everything is so beautiful like just beautiful and connected and your brain kind of starts to fire different and piece together things and you have epiphanies and yeah it's just it's shaped a lot of a lot of who I am definitely psychedelics in in general to be honest <laughs> Yeah. Talk to me about your other experiences with psychedelics because I know sometimes they can be, well, definitely can be abused, um, but I think it's all about the intention behind them and 
for me personally, like I won't go into my whole experiences with psychedelics, but what you just talked about with mushrooms, like I have had the same experience where I have these, I just look around and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm part of this huge earth. And like one of my recent experiences, <laughs> I was like, I am an artist. Like I just had this huge breakthrough and like was like, I am not using my creativity. And so I feel like psychedelics in general can help us kind of unlock those parts of our brain that we don't use in our normal waking life. Totally. Yeah. And I love that this is where this conversation is going because I've been wanting to actually talk more about how psychedelics have transformed my life, but it's kind of like one of those scary subjects because it's not necessarily accepted by, by everybody. But so um, a little backstory, I kind of started diving into them. I was in like the rave scene and techno music, house music, and I was definitely not using them for the proper reasons. And they have, so like LSD in particular, has this like amazing ability to trudge up everything in you that you have shoved down. And that kind of started happening. And I, I didn't really know what was going on. I was like, is my brain broken? Like, what's going on? And then I later, I had like a stain from them for quite a few years. And I later started learning more about them and people who were taking them consciously. And they're like, yeah, that's just kind of part of what LSD does. And like, you shouldn't be taking it in a party setting kind of thing. And you should be taking it with intention. And when you do take it with intention, beautiful things can happen. And you can definitely heal parts of yourself. Um, yeah, with intention is definitely the, <laughs> the key. Yeah, that conscious intention for sure. And I love to see more and more therapists and psychologists leaning into the power of psychedelics because I really do think having a guide someone to kind of navigate you through, or even if it's not your therapist, but somebody you trust that has gone through a psychedelic journey on their own and can kind of be that safe person for you is a huge help. And of course, this isn't advice from us by any means. Just <laughs> want to clarify that. But if you are thinking about it or feeling called to try something psychoactive, um, having somebody trusted to guide you through it and be that pillar of support if anything does come up is really helpful, I think. I, would you agree? Yes, definitely. It's essential. Um, there's actually, if people are interested, a program that's really kind of informational is MAPS. Um, so just M-A-P-S, it's an acronym for, I don't remember exactly, but multiplinary something, something, something. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Um, but they're a really great resource. And so is Zendo for harm reduction, because it is it is a reality that harm can, can happen from those things. Right. You can yeah. have the bad trip, especially, you know, what you talked about with LSD, like, that's what they why people can have bad trips because if there's things you've been suppressing <laughs> the psychoactive element brings them into your like literal vision field you know you can start to see things that you wouldn't normally see i haven't i haven't explored lsd too much but um i've heard about you know things you can see and it being a little scary at certain points so having someone there to ground you and you know tell you that you're in a safe space is is a good idea, I think. Totally. And people um, to work through all of it with is really huge too. Like actually being able to process it. 
Yeah. Right. Somebody also who has the emotional awareness to be able to talk about the things that are coming up for you. Like, again, not in that party scene of like, let's just do LSD and go crazy and see all the fun things. Like, that's fun too. But if you are looking, you're, you're here, you're thinking about healing, you're looking into it as a healing modality, having that intention, I think, is so important. So you have explored plant medicine just through herbs. You have explored plant medicine and psychedelics, um, which I think is interesting, actually, before we move on from this, because LSD isn't naturally occurring, right? No, it's not. It's a synthetic. It came from a, it's the ergo mushroom. Don't quote me on that, people. Um, but it did come from a mushroom. So the story is that Albert Hoffman, the creator of it, had, and when I heard this story, I wasn't communicating with plants, so I kind of thought it was a little crazy. But Albert Hoffman had this sample of this fungi on his shelf, and it had said, it had like told him what to do with it, how to synthesize it and what to turn it into. And he listened to the plant and he synthesized it from there. You have to really be able to trust your intuition to listen to plants and listen to what they tell you to do, right? Especially I would imagine with mushrooms because like I said a few minutes ago, like if you eat the wrong mushroom or do the wrong things with mushrooms, like they can literally kill you. So how has talking to plants helped you trust your own intuition. You've even mentioned before, like, am I really hearing this or am I a little crazy right now? Yeah, it's been huge. I mean, it's opened up a whole nether, like, playing field for me, realizing that we can sense things beyond what we have been told that we can. Um, for me, a lot of it has been the heart field and working with the heart field because the heart field is what it's electromagnetic. And so it's where all that information comes in and it's stored with our intuitive side of our brain. And so, yeah, just really working, working with that field has been incredible. And definitely yeah. I, trust myself. I trust myself so much more now. I'm like so much more tuned into it. Yeah. And I think with anything with intuition, it's like the more you lean into it, the more you practice it, I'm sure the more you communicate with plants and listen to them, the stronger your intuition gets, you know, okay, like, yeah, I'm really hearing that. Or am I, is my ego just projecting this, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. And that's, I loved spending the, in the medicine garden, the time in the medicine garden and getting that confirmation. Um, yeah. I, after that, I did, I did do the medical course, the more medical course. And then now I'm back to doing a course where I'm actively like communicating with spirits, um, with the plant spirits and going on journeys. And again, getting that confirmation is just huge from these teachers. Cause usually you go into the meditation, not knowing the plant at all. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever considered, I know you said you haven't done ayahuasca, but I, neither have I. I have close friends who have told me about their experiences and how, uh, I'm sure you've, you've heard about it, how mother ayahuasca is a plant spirit, you know, as you're consuming this plant who can communicate with you. So have you had any calling to do that? Or do you feel like, like I'm already tapped into communicating <laughs> with plants? <laughs> um, I, you know, I feel like I used to kind of want to, and now I'm at this point where like, I enjoy gentler medicine. Um, I enjoy, yeah, I enjoy gentler medicine. And so like, for example, um, I just recently did a 
plant spirit meditation with burdock root and it had came to me as this like just loving source and it almost felt like like jesus in a way this like divine masculine love and it just washed over me and in these meditations the teacher has us like ask the plant for a healing like a hands-on healing and my heart was just so soothed and like I was to tears and I just felt so good and clear after. And so I definitely, yeah, I'm more into the, those gentle, <laughs> those gentle ones and working with plants that are a little bit gentler teachers. Yeah. For anybody who hasn't um, heard about ayahuasca or doesn't know about ayahuasca, it's definitely not a gentle experience for most people. Like it's really purges a lot out of you and activates your digestive system in a lot of ways. So I know that's where a lot of my hesitance comes from as well. I'm like, do I really want to have this experience where I'm like throwing up just to talk to a plant? I don't know. Maybe I'll just come <laughs> Do something with you instead, a little bit more gentle, a little bit more heart opening. <laughs> so we've talked about personal healing, um, but I don't want to let you go from this episode before talking about the collective and the earth, the climate. You post a lot about this on Instagram and actually something that you said in that original circle where I met you has stuck with me so deeply. I came home from that circle and that is like the first thing I had to tell my partner. Like there was this girl there, Sarah, and we were all talking about wildfires were raging at this point. And she was just this like, you know, soft spoken, really lovely person and totally interrupted the circle and was like, I need to say something right now talking about your experience with wildfires and how you interpret them. So can you just share that with us now? Yeah, definitely. So it's a interesting story. When I was living, when I was traveling and living in the van, I had gone to Ojai, which is in Southern California. And we were hiking and traveling all around and it was really fun in Ojai. Um, I wanted to learn more about the natives there. There was like so much sage growing wildly and medicinal plants. And I was like, oh, I, wanna, I wanna just like learn more about the natives of this land. And I'd pull up my phone and I was reading an article from a Chumash woman who had been talking about the land in Ojai. And she had mentioned that she was talking about hot springs and how the hot springs resort there has had people try to capitalize on it and build businesses multiple times. And every time they have caught on fire. And that actually happens with hot springs a lot. They, the facilities end up burning to the ground. And her take on it was from, it was, I don't remember the name of the legend, but it was a legend from the Chumash people that the fire will always take back when the land is being exploited. And I I really I really resonated with that. I was like, oh, it's, that's just interesting that this fiery energy is coming and then reconsuming what's it. It's taking it back. It's saying, you can't exploit me here. And the other thing was she had mentioned in the article that she loved the people of Ojai and that the current inhabitants, that she felt like they were really caretakers of the land. And you can, you can tell definitely there's a lot of like regenerative farming out there, kind of like a really big hippie culture. The farmer's market was incredible. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I set my phone down from that article and it was really creepy. The wind picked up, leaves went everywhere and I got full body chills. 
And I looked over at my ex-husband and I was like, that was weird. I just read this article and then a fire truck goes by. And we go to sleep that night and I'm just like, whatever, that was just a weird experience. We go to sleep and next thing you know, our phones are beeping because there is a fire happening and it's an evacuation notice. And a lady comes knocking on the door. She's like, yoo-hoo, yoo-hoo. neighbors, you got to go. It's evacuation time. And we're driving out of Ohio and the hills everywhere is just on fire. It was absolutely insane. Like once you got closer to Ventura, everything was just engulfed. And I actually had to stay in Ventura for another day because we were getting the motorhome fixed. And we were just like literally like driving by the hills, just on fire, raging. And then we leave Ventura, we go to Malibu, then Malibu is on fire. Mm-hmm. We leave Malibu, then another place is on fire. And it was just like literally that whole entire area was on fire. Well, it finally stops and they're like, it's over. We look at maps to see like where the fires are, where it got affected by it. Literally everywhere. I wish I had a picture of it to screen share, but there, the map has like everywhere that has been destroyed by the fire and Ohio is just a circle in the middle, completely untouched from it. And I was just like, wow, this is incredible. Like they're taking such good care of their land that the fires didn't affect them. Like the fire's not taking back Ohio. And then later I went to Lucidity Festival, which is an incredible festival, transformative, like meditation, music, all kinds of great stuff. Um, but I went to this festival and they were talking about the fires and they were talking about how the people were praying, how they were making sure that their lands were super watered and like, it just was all full circle. Like, wow, Ohio really does care about the land. And I felt that that's, that's why they didn't get destroyed by the fire and the mudslides that year. And like having read that article and setting the phone down, like it was just full. Yeah. That was a crazy experience. <laughs> Such a powerful story. And did that change your perspective about taking care of the land, not just when it comes to wildfires, but when it comes to climate change and the more severe weather we're seeing, what's your take on that now? Yeah, so that was like probably the first spark of like, let's take care of the land. And I didn't really understand how then. And so now that I've been on this journey of learning how to use plants as medicine, how to work with plants, how to work with the soil. Um, In the medicine garden program, we learned all about soil health and how, like, if you create a healthy soil, it not only sequesters carbon, but it holds more water. Um, So my teacher, Renee Wade, she had actually had a client in Malibu during those fires that she had helped build, like, a little permaculture garden. And there's the main house down below, the permaculture garden and a cottage up top and the main house went up in flames all of the dry property went up in flames but the permaculture garden ended up being able to bring so much water that that garden didn't burn all the way and the little cottage house was protected by the fire from the soil Incredible. I I saw specifically, too, you were talking um, on Instagram on Thanksgiving about soil health and a lot of the farming practices that we've adopted in the U.S. And I think this is especially powerful, both of us living in California. I'm sure you've driven up and down California uh, when you were, you know, doing van life. And 
if you live here or really anywhere where there's a large agriculture presence, you drive past these fields and it's just rows and rows and rows of crops um, and rows and rows and rows of orchard trees. What is that doing to the environment? Yeah, so a lot of it, monocropping is the term for it. So monocropping is when there is only one crop being grown. That means that there's not a lot of diversity in the soil. Oftentimes these monocrops, they end up like taking all the plants out during winter and leaving the soil completely bare. Um, so yeah, not a lot of diversity. The bacteria and the fungi in the soil, they end up dying and it kind of turns to dust. Like right now, if you drive through California's farmlands, you'll see just lots of barren land. And if you go and you actually touch it and pick up what should be soil, it's it crumbles. And if it's a windy day, it'll literally just fly away. And that's, it's detrimental to not only the planet, but it's detrimental to our health as well. Um, yeah, because you no longer have that soil sponge, which is made up of living mi microorganisms. So the bacteria and the fungi, which I said, the fungi bring nutrients and they feed the plants and so do the bacteria. And so all of that is just kind of void in these giant farmlands. Yeah, so the food we're eating doesn't have as many nutrients in it. It's not as rich. Um, it's not, you know, a great use of the soil year round because there are months on end where it's just bare land. And you even said that this is likely what caused the Dust Bowl back in the 1930s, I believe, in the middle of, you know, the Great Depression, these kinds of farming practices. Yeah, so during the Dust Bowl, it was it was the farming practices. Um they went, we went through a major drought. So that like the drought was the cause of the dust bowl. But if you look at the root of it, it's because we disturbed the water cycle so much. And so like, if you think about the soil, like think about dirt as like flour and think about soil as bread. Bread has the mm -hmm. yeast in it. It has the other components and it's more spongy. If you take water and you pour it on top of just flour, it's not gonna soak in, it's just gonna kind of run off. If you put it on bread, it's gonna soak in. And so when you have that soil sponge and water is going into the earth, it then will do its cycle properly, our rainfall will be better, our watersheds underneath will be more filled. When it's just rolling off, it turns into water vapor. And water vapor is actually the leading greenhouse gas and I don't know if you've recognized this year in California, this winter has been so humid and so foggy. I've been looking mm -hmm. up like the humidity percentages and we've been at like 90% humidity a lot of these days after these heavy rainfalls. And it's because it's no longer absorbing into the soil. It's just rolling off and going up into the air, which then creates more like warming. Even how we landscape our yards, you know, people want that perfect lawn or, um, you know, that perfect planter with whatever flowers in it. But that can also be really detrimental because it's not allowing water to soak into our own properties. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, the biggest thing, so like even grass is better than it being just bare. I mean, obviously grass takes a lot of extra water to keep alive and it's not the best source to help it really go into, into the soil. But the key is to have living roots in the ground and have living roots in the ground all year round. Another thing is to cover it. So when I say the lands are uncovered and that's destroying bacteria and fungi, it's because those things can't bake in the sun. And so when it's bare and the sun is just beating down, down onto the earth that kills the bacteria and it kills the fungi it kills the microbes it makes it hard for the worms to inhabit it too and so like having living roots in the ground and where there isn't living roots putting mulch on top so like wood chips or straw uh, wood chips are actually really easy to get especially in California you can just call up smud they have like a whole yard and you can go to the yard and get wood chips for free um, a lot of tree companies too, you can call and get on lists for tree companies and they'll literally deliver the mulch to your front door so you can cover your land. And yeah, that's the, the two biggest things. So just living roots in the soil and covering it. That's, that's huge. And such simple solutions and something else that also came to mind, at least if you live in the Sacramento area, I know that there is a local organization either through the city or affiliated with the city where you can call and they'll drop off a tree for you if you don't have a tree on your property. Because again, you know, roots in the ground, having shade is really important for cooling your home and saving energy and all of these things. So wherever you live, look into those programs because there are a lot of free resources and you know, government entities recognize the power of these solutions, even though they might not be talking about them quite as much. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's out there. And like, even I was so proud of Sacramento this year, they have these huge trucks and they're like leaf blowers and they're going out on the sides of the freeways and they're mulching the sides of the freeways. And I'm like, yes, that's what we need. Cause those are like usually just barren. And that always makes me sad. Anytime I see bear, earth. I'm like, we have to cover it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, you mentioned to me that you're really feeling called to educate people about the earth and about plants and about herbs and, you know, seeing your chart too with so many planets in your house of education it totally makes sense. But if there's one thing you want people to take away from listening to this episode, what would it be? Huh, one thing. Um, you know, that I haven't, this kind of sums it all up, that we, like nature isn't somewhere we go to. It's not something that's outside of us. Everything is nature. Even the walls of our home, the couches we sit on, the chairs, ourselves too. Everything is nature. The city is nature. And that we have to learn to live in reciprocity with it, to learn to listen to it, to learn to use the plants as medicine, to tend to the earth, and to tend to our soils as well. We can't keep thinking that nature is something super far away from us. I love that. I love that. And, you know, when you were telling that story about the fire and, and you saying those words, the fire takes back, like that has stuck with me for however many months since that circle. And as you were retelling that story, I couldn't help but think like, you have so much fire energy in you. Like you are the fire and you are 
a representation of how the earth takes back if we don't give to it. Like I feel like that fire story activated the fire in you and that spark in you to be like, no, we have to give back. You know, we have to stop just taking from the earth. So I just, for whatever reason, I'm like, it just makes sense now that you're a fire sign. Like, of course you talk about all these beautiful, gentle things and you have your Mercury and Pisces and you have this grounded energy, this earth energy with your Capricorn placements. But I feel like that fire in you really is like igniting your purpose and igniting that sense of fiery urgency. Like we have to do something now because as we know, uh, there's no denying that our climate is only getting more intense and the earth is more and more every day telling us like, hello, I need help here. <laughs> like, You guys just keep taking from me in all these different ways. And um, I, I just feel like it's undeniable now that we have to do something. We have to act. So you being a fire sign, I feel like is like the embodiment of the action we all can be taking to do our part in fighting climate change. And you know, so much of saving the earth has become commercialized, you know, like buy this and we'll plant a tree or whatever. But just to finish this out, like what's one small step that people can take, one small action from a fire sign here that people can take today or in the next week that can just move that needle a little bit towards helping the earth and, and listening to the earth and taking care of her? Yeah. So I think a big thing to think about is that big business got us into this mess. These corporations got us into it. And I don't think they're the ones who are going to get us out of it. I mean, even if you think about like plastic bags that was created out of, oh, well, we shouldn't be cutting down trees. And so we always get presented these solutions that I think are kind of almost tricks into thinking that it's the solution, but it's just another way to make money. And so to support small businesses, to support small farmers, um, I think is a really easy one. And to support local makers and local businesses and just keep everything local is, is huge. Um, especially the, the farming. So like you can kind of tell when people are monocropping versus not at farmer's markets. Um, if you go out to the farmer's market, I usually try to pick a vendor that has a bunch of different produce there to choose from versus going to the guy who just has oranges. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely what I think is a, a good way to, to easily in our hands help things is just to support local. I love that. Great tangible advice. And also shopping small this holiday season, finding a small business in your area that talks about sustainability or how they source their goods. I think, you know, as we're heading into the holidays is really something good to keep in mind. Um, so we end all of our shows with a card pull and I pulled out the spirit animal deck for you because it's my most Naturey, okay. Um, but while I'm pulling this out and shuffling, if you, I'm going to pull up your Instagram so people can see. And do you have any offerings or anything going on right now, or ways people can connect with you that you want to share? 
Yeah, so I do love to share as much information as I can on Instagram. Um, I try to share about different herbs and just their benefits. Um, I do have some products that you can find me at local markets. I might eventually start a store. Not sure about that yet online, but I am going to be at a market um, this Sunday. It's going to be in Del Paso. It's a vegan market. I'm not vegan, but I do support, you know, the vegan agenda to a point of like, let's eat more, eat more plants and take care of the earth. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be at that market. And then I'm hoping next year to start up and doing more plant walks and more stuff for the moon cycles as well. And just getting people in front of the plants as much as possible. I love that. I'm so excited to see the events you have coming up in the new year. I definitely am going to have to come out to one of them because it, it's so funny that, um, you know, just this one circle we sat in together. But I, I seriously, I think about you all the time oh. and your mission <laughs> and all the information you put out there. And um, I think that just also goes to show Although social media does have its dark side, um, when you have that intention behind it, just like psychedelics, <laughs> when you have that intention behind it, when you go into it trying to make authentic connections and consuming content that you know is going to support your own journey and your own awakening or enlightenment, how powerful that can be. Because look, here we are. Totally. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's pull a card. What do we need to know from our conversation with Sarah? Ooh, Dove Spirit, Be Peace is the, the card you got. Okay. Or we got, I should say. Okay, let me read what it means in the little book. Perfect for a Libra moon, being peace. That's what we have today. And it's number 21. So 21 resonates with anybody. This card is for you. All right. Dove spirit, be peace. Here is the message. With her peaceful cooing, the gentle dove spirit invites you to embrace the energy of peace and allow compassion to warm your heart. You always have the power to generate peace within you. And the appearance of dove spirit is a reminder that today and every day is a good day to meditate, to quiet any turbulence within you as you embody tranquility. Above, below, and all around you, much may be happening to distract you, but you are called to engage it with the heart of a peacemaker, asking yourself, what would peace do? Can you agree to disagree? The peace you seek rises within and spreads out into the world as spirit sends her message to remind you of the beauty of a harmonious existence with all that it is. How beautiful and powerful is your compassionate heart? Oh. <laughs> I feel like you have like a dove spirit, seriously, like you have such a sweet and compassionate energy about you. Um, and it's so fun to read your chart because I'm like, okay, now I need to like get to know Sarah outside of these nice, tranquil, peaceful circles because she is fun. Like there is some fun hiding under that calm exterior. Um, so we'll... I, I'm going to have to get that out of you eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not hard to. It's honestly, that's more, that's more of my natural state is a little bit more fiery. I've definitely over the years learned how to like tame it. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's always a good thing, right? <laughs> Leaning into the other energy in your chart. You have a ton of Capricorn energy too, all about the earth, all about protecting the earth, which is so you. Um, and yeah, I'm so grateful for you spending this time with me today and sharing just, I'm sure, a fraction of the wealth of knowledge that you have and sharing your own story. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity too. That was really, really nice. And yes, just a fraction. <laughs> My mind is like spinning off with all these like ideas that I touched on, but didn't really go into detail on. And yeah, thank you. Well, for those of you who listened or watched and are as intrigued as I am about all the things we touched on, definitely follow Sarah on Instagram. Her handle is at Sarah of the flowers and flowers is actually your real name, right? Yep, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect. Um, and she shares so much more information every day over there. So definitely give her a follow, see what offerings she has coming up. And I'm sure we'll have you back on the show at some point talking in depth about one of the many things we touched on in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Look forward to it. Right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Sarah. And thank you to everybody who joined our conversation today, who participated. And until our next episode, stay curious. Thank you so much for joining our discussion today. If you enjoyed this episode of The Spiritual Journalist, you can find more on thespiritualjournalist.com or you can listen to our conversations wherever you enjoy podcasts. And if you want to learn more about astrology, join me live every weekday morning on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter for Today's Transits, where we break down the energy of the day based on the movement of the planets and start our morning off in a high vibe. All of the information we share on The Spiritual Journalist is completely free to you. So if you'd like to support more content like this, the easiest way to do so is to subscribe to our YouTube page. Just search The Spiritual Journalist. Or if you're feeling extra generous, you can buy me a coffee to fuel future live streams. Just tap the link in the description or head to buymeacoffee.com and search The Spiritual Journalist. I'm so grateful you found us here and I can't wait for our next conversation.